you are now listening to the Purpose Edits Podcast. You gotta be willing to be vulnerable. You have to have the ability to self-assess, and not everybody has the ability to self-assess. You don't necessarily have to like sweets to be successful in school. You just have to know how to play the game and finesse it and get through it. Welcome to the Perfect Settings Podcast. This is a short yet powerful conversation designed to help you do three things that can ultimately change the trajectory of your life. One, discover your purpose. Two, walk in your purpose. And three, ultimately fulfill your purpose. I am your host, Coach Vic, and I'm joined as always by my lifelong friend, my brother, the educator, Dr. Shane Calhoun. Shane, what up, homie? How you living? Yo, yo. What's going on, big dog? Man, it's a good day, man. I'm good, man. How's life? It's good, man. What's what's the temperature out there? You know what? We actually just had a cold front run through today, so it dropped down to like, eh, you know, people gonna you know shake they shake their head and roll their eyes, but we got down to the low fifties real quick, right? <laughs> Everybody had their winter coats. <laughs> We did. We did. Like, I had to put on a hoodie earlier when I went out. Uh, I had a couple uh, ex-college teammates roll into town, so hadn't seen them in years, man. I had a chance to, like, catch up with them. You know, it's funny, like, you start reminiscing, you start thinking about the the old days, you know, back in the day of us, us kicking it and playing ball at Eastern, man, and it's like, it's so funny, personalities don't change. People are still the same, man, and it was so good to see them, man. Hey. Yeah, by the time you make it to college you pretty much are who you are i think college brings out enhances the the personality that you actually have but i think by the time you make it to that age it's just kind of like you're set in stone you know so you mature you make better choices as you get older but believe it or not in my work as far as a leadership coach your Mm -hmm. personality starts at like the age of two that's about the time that you like start to have some sort of self um Mm -hmm. recollection your right self-identity and honestly from two your personality doesn't really change Mm -hmm. your behavior your behavior changes Mm -hmm. and when you think about it what happens is the way you see the world at two years old is obviously yeah. different than the way you see the, the world at 20. And so your behavior is reflected in how you see the world. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. So gotcha. personality don't change. But yeah, we we've been this way. You was like this as a kid as two years old. The yeah, same yeah. Thing. yeah I, I think what happens is just situations. And as you say, behavior enhances those different parts, like who you're around, you know, your your current circumstance, your current circumstance or situation is, you know, it's definitely enhanced. Has it started to warm up there? Ah, fam, it was cold up here too. It was, it was, we got to, you talk about 51, it was 28 up here. Oh, it's, it's almost April. Like, I know. I I guess this is what they call the winter snap. We may have heard of that. What is the winter? What is the the winter winter snap? snap? Is like right before spring hits and it really starts to get warm, warmer, you get like one more cold band come through. So I think I think we got this might be actually it's been fairly warm, dog. So this this might have been it for us. We might be downhill from here with the summer. Or up well, I, I don't know. I thought we would I thought we were done with the cold. Now mind you, this is probably the coldest winter for sure since I've been back in Florida. But 
we had normally we get a couple weeks in January, maybe one week in February, but we were actually cold. And when I say cold, we had mornings, we had days where it was in the mid to low 40s. And we had weeks of that from like November all the way through for sure the beginning of March, which is rare. We have not had that. And I've been back in Florida since 2012. Had, yeah. yeah, we've had maybe two weeks where it was just, but other than that, it's been it's been fairly mild. Man, I can't wait to get back to the warm weather, man. I need I need that sun. Yeah, you don't yeah. miss it. No, I mean Alabama gets stinking hot, but it's not it's not Florida. I think Florida had just has a longer hot season. I think we get like we definitely get all four seasons up here, like where you see the leaves change, and we definitely get all four seasons. Like usually. By the last two weeks of football season, mm-hmm. in like late October, it's rough. It's it's like whoa, it's rough. Like like snow in late October. Oh, no snow, but definitely the temperature change. Temperature change. Mm. Definitely, you feel. I mean, like the last two games of football season, and then if you get into the playoffs, you talking about November first week, November December, all the way through this. It's 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 rough. Nah, nah, like. Me and, me, and Tasha, <laughs> me and Tasha was talking about it. Like, we can't do cold anymore. Like, yeah. we we don't need all of the seasons. Like, we she used to. Like, I remember when we first moved down here, it used to trip her out at Christmas time that she would see palm trees and they would have yeah. Christmas lights wrapped around. Yeah, yeah, wrapped around the palm trees. Yeah, yeah. Or you don't see it, snow during for Christmas. Like, yeah, that was bananas at first, you know, when I first moved down south. And it's like, okay, snow. I mean, really and truly, if it's snow on Christmas, you you get a brand new bike as a kid. You can't go outside and ride the bike. Like, when do you get to ride your bike? March, April. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get a bike <laughs> in Christmas, and it sits in the house until summer. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Nah, nah. I'm cool that, on that. That suck, buddy. Nah. Other than that, man. So season's done. You're transitioning. You know what? I don't, I know what it's like for you to transition. And we, in season one, you know, we kind of visited that after the season, after the playoffs, but where are you at now? How, how have you transitioned? Tell the people, you know, since the season is done, what you've been doing. We made it to the elite eight. Um, Big accomplishment. Um, Felt like we had a little bit more talent wise, but when you don't execute, you don't win. It's that simple. Um, and the transition was rough. And what I found this year that I felt like I was literally in another place for the last three, four months. Like once I got over the hurt of the loss, you know, took me about a week and a half. Then I was like, wow, it's, it's different. Like, where have I been? You know, it's like, literally I've been gone. And then you get over there and you start counting your mistakes. And then probably the last week and a half I've been, I think I told you in, in private, I, I've been like on this big thought renaissance where like my brain has gone like, and I have mm-hmm. all these ideas, um, you know? Um, so I'm better now. Um, losing is not fun for me, but I, I feel like I feel optimistic about where we're going and where we're headed and, and the stuff we got coming up with the pod. And I feel like now I almost feel neglectful how locked in I've been, but it's to, to the greater lesson. Like sometimes you're going to have goals that are just that big that you have to abandon everything. And if you ain't got people around you that don't understand that, guess what? You don't need them around. And it's just that simple. And that's, that was the journey I was on. Um, that journey's over with, but, um, 
you know, so now we back in it and we're trying to get this project to the next level and, you know, help people. Yeah. You know, funny, my, my daughter right now, she's going through probably a, a mental renaissance similar to you. And she's, you know, we've been talking a lot lately about her goals. She has a goal that by the age of 25, she's 20 now, by the age of 25, she's going to own her own photography studio and she can tell you like the building she can tell you what it looks like like she she described it from the front door all the way through the building upstairs into the offices like she can she can visualize it to that level right which is which is how clear you want to be able to see your goals and your dreams but what she said was she said I feel like there's so much I want to do but I'm having trouble getting started and it's crazy that she asked me this question. She said, what would it take for you to coach me? And I'm thinking, I've been coaching you all your life. Like, I am your coach. Like, we've been coached. She's like, no, like, us meeting regularly and talking about a game plan on what I could do to get started. Because she said she's having trouble getting the momentum going to get towards a goal. And it made me think, like, she's 20 years old. And she's struggling just to take a step. Now, from an outsider perspective, I can see it. I can see that she's she's got the framework. She's got momentum, but she don't see it for herself. Ain't that crazy? So, I, I, this leads us to our topic. It, it leads us to our topic. Let's dive in. Um, All right, let's go. Why do people have garage sales? Uh, to get rid of old stuff that is uh, junking up the house is causing clutter. You got to declutter and sometimes to make a little money. That's what it is. So declutter. And sometimes like, I remember, you remember Jabir, Jabir Najib, my partner, we grew up together. When we first, (laughs) when I first got into music, him and I were, were worked together and we had a garage sale and the sole purpose to have the garage sale was to get money so we could buy studio equipment. So the first reason is the clutter. The second reason is to get money. And this is how it goes to the topic and it all ties together. You said she had the framework and you said she has the idea. So I think a lot of the times what people miss is that everything you have and you need to be successful is already in the house. It's already there. You already have it. So it's not necessarily needing something. It's just drawing out and moving on the stuff that you have inside. So I have more money. Instead of going out there and I have stuff in my house that I can just sell. And that would be the garage sale. So to your daughter, and I think one of the powerful things I'm not um, about coaching, like I'm not, I, well, I am a coach. I'm just a different kind of coach. And one of the things, the most powerful tool that you can do or the most powerful thing that you can do for somebody else as a coach is have them realize what they have inside of them, that it's already there to be successful. You just have to learn how to activate it and utilize it and put the the action and take the steps to get there. You know, kind of like the TikTok thing. The music was there. <laughs> all I had to do was sign the contract and move. I'll tell y'all more about that later. But all I had to do was sign the contract 
and move, but it was it's there it's in the house. And so many of us, instead of looking at what we have on the inside, instead of looking at what we have on the inside and utilizing our tools, we always look in other places and try to pull from here, pull from there, when most of the time it's right here inside of us. So, so I agree with you. I agree with you on a lot of what you said, but there's a thought that that some people have to build up the skill set. Some people have to acquire the the experience that is needed to then be able to go have that garage sale and to make money. It's not in the house for a lot of people. They've they've yet to get it. Like my daughter, she's 20 years old. She don't have enough life experience yet. She's she's done a good job. Like my daughter is monetized on YouTube. There's adults who not monetized on YouTube. So it's like she has something and she don't even realize what she got. So yes, it is in the house, but there's also a mindset shift that she's going through right now that she herself, she just finished reading a book that talks about growth mindset. And she's realizing that she didn't have a growth mindset. So in that instance, it wasn't in the house. She's got to go get it and build it up and cultivate it and sharpen that tool. I think sharpening the tool is different from knowing that you already have the ideas. Like she has the vision. What's more powerful than the vision? Ooh. What's more powerful than a vision? Ooh, that's a dope. Let's pause right there. Audience, answer that question. Now, we're going to put this as a poll question when we post this up. But what's more powerful than a vision? If, if you can't think of anything, say nothing. It's the vision. But we'll come back to that. What's more powerful than a vision? You're right. At the end of the day, if you don't know where you're going, if you don't have this greater desire pulling you, then... It don't matter what yeah. tools you got it, in the toolbox. It, it, you, you know, it, you can have all the book sense you want. You can know all the theory you can have, but if you don't have like an idea of where you're going, where you want to go, like what good is a roadmap if you don't know where you're going? Like here's a roadmap, Vic. Here's his GPS. Wait. <laughs> wait, so wait. if you... If you don't have a destination program, a roadmap yeah. is obsolete. I would argue. So you're saying that everything that most people have or most people need in order to accomplish their goals is already existing in them. They just have to find a way to tap into it. They have to find a way to tap into it and cultivate it. They have to find what it is and, 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 and cultivate it. Do you believe that people can cultivate it by themselves or will they always need help? Absolutely. Nothing happens in a vacuum. Nothing happens in a vacuum. Anybody that tells you, like, you know what I think is the most biggest crap, uh, pile of caca? The whole pull them up by the bootstraps mentality. Uh, we got to debate this. We got to debate this. Yeah. Uh, come on. Justify. Right. Go ahead. What, what, what's the argument? Okay. So... You say, pull them up by your bootstraps, meaning you do it yourself. There is some parts, right? Some skill sets that you can cultivate by yourself just from, uh, example, working out, exercising. You want to mm -hmm. build your chest. You could do push-ups. You could do push-ups. You don't even have to use weight. You could do push-ups. It'll build your chest. It'll build your triceps. It'll build your biceps. That's bootstrapping to me. That's mm -hmm. doing it by myself because I remember being young and my uncles were in the military and they were like, you need to be doing push-ups. Do a push-ups. I can go lift weights. No, you need to be doing push-ups. 
push-ups, just your own body weight, just to be able to lift your own body weight. And I think that when you talk about this, this argument of bootstrapping, I think that that's what it is. It's your own body weight first. Now, does that mean that you won't need help? No, that's not what that means. I, I, I'm talking about bootstraps in terms of success and wealth. Elaborate. It doesn't happen in a vacuum, bro. Like this idea, like if you look at um, now, we, we've had this discussion before. I, I don't believe in being a victim of circumstance. I believe you, um, all of us have the capability to rise above our circumstance. However, I do believe there are people that come out with more advantages than others. And therefore, it is harder for some to achieve at the level of others based on circumstances. Okay. So when I when I say when I say like success, like for instance, first generation American. I'm not a first generation college student though. So when my grandparents got over here, they came over here with not much. They laid the foundation. They are the personification of pulling yourself up by the bootstraps, pulling yourself out of the mud. But my parents were better because of my grandparents. I'm going to be better because of my parents. Christian is going to be better because of the work of me and my, you know what I'm saying? So nobody is really like, success doesn't happen in a vacuum. I, I think it, 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 it requires others. So are you saying bootstrapping is also associated with a certain level of success, which is probably very little success for it to be considered bootstrap, pulling yourself up by the bootstrap. Like you can't have achieved or you couldn't have had a groundwork or you couldn't have had a lot of help for it to be considered bootstrapping. You understand your question. Say that again. So the way you, the way you depicted it, you said your grandparents came over here and they had very little right? And there was nobody before them over here to help lay the groundwork. And to mm -hmm. them, that's the epitome of bootstrapping. But because yes. they lay the groundwork, it helped your parents have a better life than they had. So your parents aren't bootstrapping and therefore it's, you and subsequent generations aren't able to bootstrap. It started here. Grandparents started here. They lift, they lift, they lift. My parents start here. They lift, they lift, they lift. My I start here. Lift, you see what I'm saying? So every generation, it's 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 like you have the responsibility to raise the level. Like, I hope my dad lives to be, I hope my dad lives to be 700 years old. All right? Crazy number. But I've already made up in my mind that anything I inherit from my dad, I don't touch unless I match or surpass it for my son. That's a good goal. That's a good goal. You know what I'm saying? Because it, it's my responsibility. You know what I'm saying? Just like my dad did for me. My grandparent, first generation American. My dad, he went to college. So now I'm a second generation college student. You know, um, my son doesn't necessarily have to go to college, but both of his parents have doctorate degrees. Both of his parents from businesses. Both of it. You can't sit back, son. Whatever your lane is, you know, you have to be. The, the lane for him now is 
you have to achieve. So now going back to the original conversation, what's important to you? What's your purpose? What what do you put here to do? What's your strength? Now it's in you. Let's let's go ahead and let's sharpen those tools. Do you deny that people look for and need validation from others? That's tricky. Okay. I would say that we shouldn't need validation from others because, but I will say most of us need validation from others, even if it's just from a morale standpoint. Correct. I bring that up because when you think about the validation that usually comes with someone being able to pull themselves up from the bootstraps, it's usually associated with a rite of passage, Mm -hmm. right? You got it out the mud like I got it out the mud. And there's many generations that are like that. Many generations in the Black community, Mm -hmm. in Black culture, not in every culture, because not every culture believes in pulling yourself up out by the bootstraps or it being considered a rite of passage. But in our community, you see that more often. Is oh, that yeah. you you got to get it out the mud. Get it out the mud, yeah. So if that is true, wouldn't you say that there's some validity to pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, regardless of where you started? I think, I think. It might have started the conversation. I might have started it wrong. Perfect, perfect example. Kim Kardashian. Um, from what I heard, I didn't hear it myself. I don't follow her. Apparently, she's getting drug on the internet because she did an interview or something, and she said, people don't want to work. So people are dragging her because she came into this world into a family that was a millionaire. You know what I'm saying? So they're looking like, you have a silver spoon in your mouth. What are you talking about? What are you talking? But they're not looking at the fact that I, I'm not defending how she got it. But once she found her lane, she worked to get to billionaire status. Yeah. You see, you see what I'm saying? So um, what I'm saying is, I guess, Sometimes the whole bootstrap conversation really gets lost in race relations. Mm. Like where you look at the less fortunate and you say, well, I did this and I did this. You should be able to do this and this and this and this. However, you started here. They started here. And that's, that's all I'm saying about the bootstrap. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not denying that some people got out the mud. Like, just funny. I just told somebody a second ago that when I moved to Alabama, I had $46 in my pocket in an apartment. That's it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I, I had $46 in an apartment. Despite, I despite what your parents gave you and the level they helped you to start at. Despite what? So there was there was a certain degree of, you know, but I also do know two weeks after getting here, my daddy sent me $3,000. You see what I'm saying? So it, 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 it worked to your point. I understand it it works both ways. Definitely to your point, I understand that it works both ways. Okay. You talk about in this house, right? In this house. And you bring up Kardashian and she was born into a family with money. 
we all know that you could be given a million dollars and lose it if you don't have the tools to run that. You, you can think about how many people have been uh, given businesses or they inherited the family business and lost the family business because they couldn't run it. Now, there's obviously a bunch of other variables that could have led to why that person lost it. Like they just weren't into that business. They weren't as passionate, but let's say in the instance that they are, let's say that they, that is their jam. There are certain tools that people have to have to keep the position that they were given or afforded. So what would, what would you say are the tools that in your house, you got to pass down in order for Christian to be able to keep the the position that you help him to start at and launch at? Say it all the time. Nothing happens without the work, man. He got to know that his daddy wasn't the uh, brightest crayon in the box, nor was he the sharpest knife in the draw. But his daddy would be, would rather lose a toe before he would let somebody outwork him. So that's an internal thing that I'm hoping that I can pass down to my son, that nothing happens outside of hard work. And um, the other thing is I would hope to pass down and or I would hope to instill in him so later he would be able to know it's in his house. Um, there are no problems. There's only solutions, man. And that's something that I think we we miss so much, man. Like, God, God. Maybe I'm talking out of personal experience, but like, yo, you you know, you got people that got a solution for every, uh, got a problem for every solution, but it's just, there are no problems. There's only solutions. Let's, let's just be in a habit of fixing things or finding a way out. So it sounds like there's also a mental toughness that must be cultivated in this house in order for somebody to be successful. Yes. What about you? In addition to what you said, knowing your value, knowing your worth. And you hear that phrase a lot right now, right? There's a lot of people talking about know your value and add tax, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people saying that, but how many people really know what it means? And I'm going to share this example. So my son this week calls me. He had a job interview. And in preparation for the job, I was asking him, all right, so what is the salary range that you, you know, expect to, to shoot when they ask you what you're looking for in terms of total comp? So he shot me a number. And for the mm-hmm. position that he's going for, he said the industry is between 55000 base salary to as much as about 70000 base salary for, mm-hmm. you know, entry level. And I said, well, what do you plan on accepting as your minimum? And he said, I think probably like 63. I said, well, why 63? He said, because I haven't earned 70. You know, I'm just coming out of college. I'm, you know, I haven't, I haven't really, really, I'm not worth that is the term that he used. And I almost lost it. Here's, here's where I I disagree with that. So what you don't know is my son has worked since he's been a freshman in college, actual work experience. And when I say work, He's worked for the university's IT department. My son is getting a degree in business information systems as as an analyst. When he started out, he was looking at web development. And there's a lot of crossover between the major that he's graduating in now and where he first started. So 
technically he's already got five years of work experience. Mm-hmm. Now in your, your experience and looking for a job, what does five years work experience equate to in potential extra dollars in your salary? What's, what's just your opinion? Um, I don't know if there's a dollar amount. I mean, it depends on the gig, but um, I think there's a difference between work experienced and I don't know the exact word for it, usable work experience. Correct. Right. So it ain't just he's working just to work. He's actually yeah. doing the job that he's, he's applying job. for. Like, yeah. And more specifically, his last year to year and a half, he's actually working as an analyst while he's in school. The same position he's now. That he will be for. going. I mean, shoot, that that you, you, you. So 63 was the middle 55. And what was the top 70? And I said, well, why won't you ask for 70? Because I don't think I'm worth that. I went off. I went off. What you mean you're not worth 70? I say, you need to understand that you're worth 100,000 right now. Not just because your work experience, because what I found, what I've seen in my experience in the corporate space is five years work experience is equivalent to somebody with a four-year degree. If you think I'm lying, look at yourself, you people who don't have a degree but got five years work experience and look at a recent college grad in that same field who get your same job, who got no work experience, they get paid the same as you. hear you but i come to play devil's advocate because granted he may be worth the hundred thousand and he has the five years experienced but i think to overshoot on the offer is to possibly cut himself short of long-term earning potential i get that you see what i'm saying um I think his experience should count for something. Correct. But if the range is 55, 70, I think you swing somewhere in the middle or two, two, trains, two trains of thought. You swing high, high risk, high reward. Um, the other, you keep it modest because you want to get in. I think sometimes, and this is the stickiness with knowing your value. And I think this is a personal decision. I know where I lay on the stick. You feel like you're worth something. I feel like I'm worth something. Um, the company feels like you're worth something. You don't want your value to take you out of position with that company. And then you have to make that personal decision of, is what I think I'm worth, worth potentially not getting the job? And that's the gamble. So I hear you. Parts of that I agree with. Okay. Parts. I love when you say that. <laughs> the, the parts that I don't, here's my argument. We talk about expecting more out of life. When you expect more, when you elevate your level of expectation, it's crazy how you get more, how you get more accomplished, you're able to execute more. And so when I think about in this house, the tools that I'm passing down to my kids, I'm passing down know your worth, which is expect more, expect greater, expect that you can be paid at the top of the bracket. Why? Because you can justify it. Meaning in this market, especially when you're negotiating in the corporate space, I'm not sure what it's like in the academic space, but they ask you, what's your range? If you justify, and this is the advice that I gave him, 
I studied the market and the industry says that this role should pay between 55 and 70. Looking at the position, your company is specifically asking for and looking for someone who can do blank, blank, blank. I have worked five years in this role and this role, which one and a half years of this role is actually doing the job that you want me to do and then some. So my value and what I look at, my range would be between blank and blank, which I told him range should be between 60 and 80. Why? Because what you don't know is as the companies look in this market and they strategically plan, they know that they're competing for college grads. They're competing for the best talent and everybody wants the best. Yes, some may say, I need someone who is going to be at a lower salary point and higher skill level or mid-range skill level. I say, but what you don't know is they may have already decided we are going to need to pay somebody more to compete against the other companies to get the top talent that we want and that we need. I say, so don't sell yourself short. You come in at 63 and they came in willing to pay somebody 80. Yeah, they're going to take you at 63, but you could have got 80. Expect more and make them justify what your value is. And at the end of the day, it's a negotiation to meet in the middle. So no, I'm not going to start at the bottom. I'm not going to come in mid-range because I'm scared. I expect more. And if this opportunity ain't for me, then that also means I got to be willing to lose out on some opportunity. And that's the point right there. So I guess the thing I will count, you got to be willing to. That That's the only thing I'm going to ask. Are you willing to take that risk? But uh, the only thing I will counter with is whatever happened to crawl before you walk. For the people who believe in that, sometimes they still crawling. Sometimes they can never get ahead. Okay. I, I, I used to believe it, and that was the safe me until I realized, you know what? I'm going to take a chance, and guess what? I got it. I, I decided one day to run and didn't get punished for it. Didn't get slapped on the wrist. Matter of fact, got exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Okay. And, 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 and people, this is coming from a person. <laughs> Where last year I was negotiation, negotiate, negotiating for a position. And when I said I got everything plus some, um, so I understand it. But then I also think of it from the other thing. And the other thing that I will counter with is don't expect more and, and, and talk yourself out of position. That's it. I think there has to be a balance. And I guess my argument or the conversation I'm trying to have is know your worth, but really know your worth. Like, (laughs) know your worth. Really know your worth. And I really respect the way you broke it down based on years of experience and years of, you know what I'm saying? And in that range, cause that, that really saying, Hey, I thought this out. This is what I think. This is what I researched. This is what I know. But some of us, I think there's a difference between knowing your worth and expecting shit. Like, I'm supposed to get this just because I showed up. Or I'm supposed to get this just because I did this. There's two different things. So that would be my argument. Know your worth, but really know your worth. Know what you bring to the table. Correct. And even my son was like, I'm glad we had this conversation because I could have sold myself short in these conversations. And two, what it does is by me justifying what my worth is, because that's one thing, know your worth, but justify your worth. It forces the other side to also come to the table with what they've been thinking. And at the end of the day, that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to create a dialogue. 
You're trying to talk through this and we're going to meet in the middle. You're not supposed to get everything that you want, but in job negotiations in, in contract negotiations, you, you, it's you, a, it's a negotiation. It's a negotiation. It's a negotiation. And you go, right? you go for the gusto. And I tell them too, I told them this, I said, you have to consider each opportunity for its benefits. I said, because what is important to you is what's going to determine which opportunity you take. If you have multiple offers on the table, let's say two offers come in. One offers you more money, but you only get one week of vacation. Mm -hmm. Another one comes in with lower, uh, lower salary, but you get five weeks of vacation right off the bat. Mm -hmm. How much does vacation time matter to you? Mm -hmm. Especially if you are like a parent with a, with kids, right? Yeah. That might What's matter more than a single person. What's the balance? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so you're right. Know your worth, justify your worth. And when you talk about in this house, in this house, this temple that is us, that's a part of knowing your worth, I think. And I mm -hmm. think that that's where this conversation comes back to a close is that in in this house of what you're worth, in this house of what you bring to the table, not only in the workplace, but I think in your relationships with people, you'll be able to know exactly what you're willing to put up with and what you're not, your non-negotiables, if you will. I don't think people know the non-negotiables. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a line that you, you need to know, like, this ain't going to work for me, that's not going to work for me. That This will work for me, that's not going to work for me. You know what, man, I appreciate this, this particular conversation for a number of reasons. It gave me validation on a number of fronts and it, it, it challenged me. It challenged my thinking and mm. some other areas, but for the sake of our audience, we didn't do what blew your mind. And gotcha. I think it's important that we always do that. So I'm going to ask you now at the end of the show. What blew your mind? So we always hear the expression, there's devils in the details, right? Or details in the devils, something like that. Devils in the details. Devils in the details. And we always hear the expression, uh, well, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Why don't you water your grass? The other day I was thinking about that. And then I heard this thing. I don't remember. My wife told me it a couple months ago when we first moved in the crib and I didn't believe it, but then I heard it. Did you know that when you're watering your grass, especially in hot climates such as Florida, Alabama, not only is it important to water your grass, but there are certain times of day where you should water your grass because if you don't, it would actually end up killing the grass. So to tell somebody just water your grass isn't actually good enough. They go ahead and water that grass during that hot time when they shouldn't, they're going to kill it. They're going to kill a grass. So the so, details, fam, we, 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 we think about instead of, you know, no, the grass isn't always greener on the other side, but instead of simply just watering our grass, instead of, envying that green grass why don't we learn what they learn so if i if i'm an author i'm gonna go speak to an author hey man how did you write that book if i'm a podcaster i'm gonna go speak to that successful podcaster hey 
how did you get your podcast successful? If I'm trying to drive revenue to my podcast, I'm going to go talk to the person that drives revenue through their podcast. I'm just not going to look over and then just start doing stuff in order to make it happen. Yeah, it's just like uh, you've said this several times on previous episodes, success leaves clues. Success leaves clues. Success leaves clues. And if you want to know how something works, if you want to truly know how to do something, go follow the tea leaves. Go find someone who's already doing it and ask them the question, can you teach me? Now, to do that means that you're being vulnerable and you're admitting that you don't know. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who have trouble admitting that they don't know. That's admitting fault. That's admitting a weakness. Mm -hmm. So how do you help somebody to come to grips with the idea that it's okay to be weak, to be vulnerable, to not know? Are you Jesus? (laughs) That's too easy. I I, I know, but... Back to our prior, prior prior conversations, I think sometimes we have to know our wealth, know our worth, and we have to know our goals, but we can't think ourselves out of stuff. You know what I'm saying? And I think sometimes we let pride simply get in the way of the best decisions. You know, you know the, 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 the saying that they say there's no such question as a, there's no such thing as a dumb question. Or the, the worst question you ask is the one that you don't ask. Or the worst thing that, you know what I'm saying? So we got to get past this pride space, man. We got to get past this pride space and, and be sponges. And, you know, um, vulnerabilities are a, ooh, hallelujah. Vulnerability is a part of success, kids. Oh, that's a word that'll preach all by itself. As my <laughs> yes. Vulnerability. Say that again. In order to be successful, vulnerability is a part of success. In order to get that level of success, you got to allow yourself to be vulnerable. It's going to take a risk. It's going to take being uncomfortable. It's going to take some failure. Like, again, failure is a part of success. I heard that somewhere. I didn't make that one up. Failure is a part of success. Yeah. Yeah. You know I love it. You could try 10 times. And you may not get it to your ninth, but what if that ninth try or that tenth try is the one that gets you that million? Yeah. Yeah. All right, my friend. Another dope episode. Let's close this one out. Today's quote. I posted this on my social media a little while ago. Uh, But I want to share it today because there are people who are trying to figure out how to separate themselves. They're trying to separate themselves from the average people. They're trying to figure out who the good ones and who the great ones are. We're all trying to do that. This quote that I shared has a lot to do with leadership. And I believe that every person has the ability to be a leader, but not everybody chooses to be a leader. So here's the quote. Some leaders talk to you when they have time. Some leaders make time to talk to you. Mm. You got to learn the difference and figure out which type of leader are you. Some free up their time to talk to you. Some only talk to you when they have free time. The question is, what type of leader are you? For our audience, for the listeners out there who are thinking about how can I be the best leader? 
how can I be the best person that I absolutely can be? You got to learn how to be intentional with your efforts. You got to learn how to free up your time to do the things that you need to do. It's up to you to decide what future you want to hold. The question is, will you make the right choice? That's it. Listen, Purpose Addicts, we love you. We appreciate you always rocking with us. If you haven't already, you need to go to kbcntv.com, kbcntv.com to check out full episodes, video episodes. If you want to interact with Shane and myself, Doc and Coach, that is. If you want just audio, you can go to any platform uh, as the show will still be broadcasting on audio. But we absolutely want you to check us out. All full episodes will be pushed to kbcntv.com. Don't miss an episode. As always, like, subscribe, share the show. Purpose Addicts, live life on purpose. We out. I'm running for